Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about big movies, grateful, and we have part one of our interview with George Kinder from The Kinder Institute. Welcome to another episode of The Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl who cannot pronounce the names correctly of movies, and it has to start with big. <laughs> and, oh. and a man who... Why are you looking at my bald head again? <laughs> Do not mention my bald head. Almost looks like an egg. <laughs> and? And Russell. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so uh, a girl, I'm joined by a girl who is so desperate to annoy her sister. It's so exciting. I'm really, look at Charlotte's face, Russ. Look, she's not looking forward to this at all. I'm loving this work. Well, you know what I'm loving? I'm loving the the fact that this relationship is like me 40 years ago, and me and you 40 years ago. Well, not, probably not 40 years ago, because I was five. Well, there's a bit more of an age difference, but... A bit more, bit more of an age difference. Well, between me and Sam? Yeah. 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 Um, but but Russell used to annoy me, like, so it's annoying you. So yeah. it just, it feels like the circle of life, right? Still it? It does, doesn't circle it? Circle of life. It, it feels like the circle of life. So um, would you like, Sophie, to tell the story... Of, you um, forget the name of one movie and all of a sudden it becomes <laughs> a social pariah. Well, you're not a social pariah, we just think it's quite a, quite a fun story. Would you like to tell the yes, story that you're desperate to tell on the podcast? <laughs> Off you go. Yesterday, we were playing charades and um, Charlotte put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is... Right. Okay. This, is word, this is workplace bullying. So- <laughs> Charlotte said, um, "Oh right, let me let me do let me let me tell bits of the story, and then you can." Said, come you know the movie with the whale. It was, it was like right, and Dad was like, "Free Willy," and Charlotte was like, "No, big <laughs> So Char- Charlotte stood up, did her charades, and. Um, for some reason, did this rise to describe a movie, Russ, called Big Willie. <laughs> and I said, what movie is Big Willie? I've never, heard of, I've never heard of a movie called Hold Big Hold on, Willie. I'm sure there's a movie out there called Big Willie. We're not Googling it. We're not Googling it. <laughs> we're, not, we're not even thinking about it. Do not Google Big Willie. Um, it was a big whale. But but Charlotte went no, there is a movie called Big Willie because there's um there, there's that one about the whale we jumped over and like went out to sea. <laughs> and then I went, you mean Free Willie? It's all good when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so unofficial question of the podcast: What movies would be better? Just replacing the word with big. Number one. And a visual question of the podcast, and this is quite a serious one, so it um it offsets uh, the tone. Oh yeah, it gives us a bit of an offset of tone. Um, what are you most grateful for? 
because Russ, the reason I'm going to talk about that this week is because we've had some amazing podcasts. You know, if anybody doesn't know on the uh, Kindness Project, we interview people quite a good distance in advance yeah. so that we've got plenty of uh, interviews in the bag. Um, but we have had some amazing guests this week, I think. Don't you, Russ? Yeah, I totally agree. Um uh, and a lot of the conversations that came up were about a, a lot, quite a lot about self determination and like sort of taking your your own life in your own hands, which which has uh, been quite important. Yep. Um, a lot about um, uh, being kind to yourself and knowing that you can make mistakes. That sort of stuff was really important. But a lot about. Uh, habits that that help you and serve your own mental health and the one that comes up quite a lot is gratitude so and and sophie's just gone back to her art now now she's told that story she's made up are you all right so yep. yeah she's done she's done embarrassed her sister wandered off um so two two questions one official what are you most grateful for and number two think of a movie that just you can replace the word, whatever word you want, with big. Do you want to go first? Um, sure, I'll think of a film. Um, what are those films with the, they try and rob places and it's got the numbers all the time? Uh, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Big. <laughs> Ocean's Big. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean, oceans are big. I mean, factually, it's correct. Um, ocean. It sounds like you're a caveman describing an ocean. Ocean's big. Ocean's big. And what are you? And um, what are you most grateful for? Um. Oh, you put me on the spot again. <laughs> All right, come on, Russ. What's your? Big <laughs> I'm grateful for the for the fact that I got my charade wrong. Um, what are you grateful for, Russ? I'm most grateful that I spent my Sunday here with you. Oh, cheers, mate. It, it is just yeah, and the words escaped me throughout three years. Is he being sarcastic? I am. He's taking the mic out, Russ. Is he bit? I mean, I am grateful for this, Russ, genuinely. And you've just insulted me, the fact that you're, <laughs> you're being sarcastic about it. It I was mean, great, Russ. I loved it. I'm, I'm, I'm quite grateful for uh, the opportunities I've been afforded. I'm grateful that I'm, um, I'm doing well. Yeah. Good. And then movie with uh, you replacing Big in the title? Uh no. Do you want to come back to that one? Yeah. Tell us, Charlotte, what she's grateful for. Just looking at the movies. <laughs> she, she's There's now so thinking about loads of Reservoir Big. Reservoir Big. Big fiction. The big games. <laughs> no, the big games as, as opposed to the Hunger Games. Yeah. I think these are, are as good as Big Willie, though, aren't they? That's big Avengers. Thing. Or, sorry, was that Dick Tracy you were replacing? Yeah. Dick Big. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I can't get this past the, uh, the iTunes. Thing. I mean, it's like... <laughs> oh, 
God. Um, oh, this is this is this is the <laughs> furthest we've ever been, I think. So get um, get ourselves banned. Um, oh, oh, she's thinking. I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen now. Right. Um, right. Well, big walls. No. Big walls. <laughs> pretty big. No. No, no, no. Not working. Not working. We'll come. We'll. Uh, we'll <laughs> We'll, we'll come to it. Captain America, um, the big Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, unofficial question of the podcast, uh, ladies and gents, is what movie would you insert the word big into to make it funny? That's part one. And then part two, and we might just ask that as a bit of an unofficial job for us. Part two is what are you most grateful for? And you can get in touch in the following ways. So if you're on Twitter, it's at all of kindness. If you're on Facebook, just type the kindness project into the search bar and it should come up. If you're in Google, type the kindness project podcast into the search bar and we should come up. If you want to go directly to the website, it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to email us directly, it's olive.kindness.co.uk. If you want to find us on Instagram, MySpace, um, Friendry United, isn't it? Then done. Yeah, I, no, I you think... know, ask Jeeves have a bit of an odd time. So, you know, you just just use the more convenient methods, I think, is the way to go with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, uh, so that both of you have actually answered, what are you grateful for? Oh, so I wasn't thinking about it. Um, <laughs> she's struggling Russ she's struggling there's so much if there's so much just give us your top three or three or five or none <laughs> I'm so sorry I don't know where my brain is I've lost it um, clearly you're um, grateful for Big Withy um, <laughs> I'm really not I'm really not Russ <laughs> <laughs> She's got Big Willie on the brain. I'm really not grateful for Big Willie for us. That must be a train we took. Train. What train? What train? Cassie. What train? The train home from me and Daddy last time I was down. And you accosted that woman. What do you mean I accosted that woman? <laughs> what do you mean I accosted that woman? I've never accosted a woman in my life. No, no, right, no, no. You were making inappropriate comments, Russ. And, and she looked embarrassed. She looked embarrassed, and I had to apologise. You were the one making inappropriate comments. No, Russell shout. What did Russell shout on the train? What did Russell shout on the train? Something we're not we're not going to share on the podcast. No, I know. Oh, it's isn't it? And I had to. I looked at her. She'd gone purple because she was so embarrassed. And I had to say, I'm really sorry about it. I mean, that's that's a, that's and how. And then you dragged her in and kept her in the conversation. Was she wanted to get involved uh, 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 yeah anyway I, I didn't I didn't accost anybody podcast listeners I had to apologize to my brother's frankly shocking behavior um and yeah that was it <laughs> well we are coming back this is your mission while I'll read out the first piece of kindness news, kindness news. <laughs> 
Thank you. Um, we are coming back to what you're grateful for. And what I want is one piece of, uh, uh, one thing you're grateful for after every element of the show as we come up. So think about your first one while I read out this one. Man praised for kind gesture to the delivery driver after order ends up a thousand miles away. A man has been held a hero online after a mix-up with his fast food order meant it ended up over a thousand miles from his home, but he showed nothing but kindness to the delivery driver. After moving a thousand miles from his home, a fast food fan forgot to update his delivery address on an app. So when Shahid Davis went to order a takeaway, uh, of a plant-based sack on burrito boat from the chain ch ch uh, Chipotle, sorry, Chipotle for lunch last week, his food didn't end up where it oaked. Instead of being delivered to his front door in Haggerston, Maryland, the order was a thousand miles away in Des Moines, Iowa. The 29-year-old realised the mix-up as he trapped his food and began to feel guilty that he'd wasted the delivery driver's time. Unprepared to make the 15-hour journey to get his lunch, Shahid came up with a better plan. A kind-hearted truck driver got in touch with the delivery driver and offered him his meal to enjoy instead. Love that. The driver thanked him and poignantly revealed that his brother had died, but that it would have been his birthday that day, and due to his kindness... He was going to have lunch where he's laid to rest because of you. Ah, oh, so sad, so, so sad. Jade said on Sunday, I just wanted Chipotle for lunch. So I've gotten the app and I ordered food. Once the app told me it was getting delivered, I waited a couple of minutes. I was getting hungry and looked on the app to see how far it, he is, so I didn't miss him. But when I looked, it showed me that he was in Iowa. I thought, oh man, I forgot the last time I used my Chipotle app was out there. Seeing he was going to the wrong address, I messaged the support team on the Chipotle app, see what I could do about it. They said, once he order his place, there's nothing I can do about it. So I just told the guy, hey, you have my lunch, because it's no big deal. He took time out of his day to take my order and go all the way to the delivery place. So I felt bad because I felt I wasted his time. Uh, he said thank you, and Shahid shared the text exchange on Facebook where it went viral. Um, and, you know, Yes, the delivery driver was super happy because, number one, he was given a lunch on a day that meant uh, most to him. Now, you've had quite a long time there, Charlotte, while I was reading that yeah. story, um, to think about gratitude and what you're grateful for. So what are you grateful for? Um, I am grateful for you guys, I guess. You guys, I guess. that. What a ringing endorsement of family, <laughs> Russ. What a ringing endorsement. And when you say you guys, are you talking about me and Russ, or are you talking about family in general? Yeah, family in general. Family yeah. in general. Yeah. You guys, I guess. Family in general, I guess. Right. Next one, while I read out the next bit of news, I'd like delivered with a little bit more certainty. Just a tiny bit. Not I guess, I know. Right? So let's try that again. The next piece of news is, um, oh, I like this story, Russ. I really like this story. Charlotte, I love this story. People are booking so many Airbnbs in Ukraine, they raise two million for hosts in need and never even check in. From March the 2nd to March 
23rd, people from around the world booked 61,000 nights in Ukrainian cities via Airbnb, uh, likely not ever to check in on reschedule. It's part of a creative social media campaign to channel funds into besieged cities where something like aid drops or supply trucks can't reach. And it's seen £1.9 million raised uh, for Ukrainians in those 48 hours. I am seeing, um, we might we might have to do a special buzz in a, in a couple of weeks talking about, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, there, there, there is so much at the moment about the war in Ukraine, Russia invading Ukraine, that uh, makes me sad um, and makes me um, uh, look at the world through a lens of, you know, just confusion, because why would anybody ever do this and I know that you know Putin's uh, uh, um, uh, potentially you know killing civilians and doing some really really inhumane stuff that I, I just you know it, 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 it's confusing to me why you know just grabbing a bit of land would you know why anybody would choose to to, to do that but that's the strong land strong man um sort of uh totalitarian leader for you isn't it i suppose that all totalitarian leaders act in that way um uh, so there is a lot of tra tragedy at the minute uh on the situation in Ukraine, and my heart yeah. goes out for the people who have got a living award to oh, the country. Totally, I totally agree. Yeah, and you know what? One of the things that I'm grateful for, and I've spoken about this a few times over the past couple of weeks, just imagine living in a country where um, one day, because of the actions of somebody who um, frankly you know, shouldn't be in power and control because he hasn't got the yeah. temperament to do it. Um, uh, you, you've got to leave your home and everything you've built for X amount of years. Now, there's a lot that you could argue, arguably say that's wrong with the UK. There's a lot that's right, but there's a, a lot that, that's wrong with the UK. But one thing we can probably be pretty, um, pretty comfortable with is that we'd never have to do that. We'd never have to pick up our life and just take it somewhere else. Um, so I'm grateful for that. All the wrongs that, that the UK has, you're you're right. We never have to. We never feel that fear that they must be feeding now. Yeah. The the tanks are firing on, on residential buildings, nuclear power plants. It just defies belief. I know. I know. So so I mean, but. The interesting thing is what I've seen on uh, social media and people I know and, you know, uh, is that the kindness shown to the people of Ukraine at the minute is massive. You know, the amount of people who are giving money, giving time, getting in a truck, taking a bunch of goods to the border, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think what this does show is genuinely, even though there's elements of insanity in terms of the leaders that you know you know sort of like take tanks into sovereign countries there's also a lot of kindness shown 
to the people who are there. And this Airbnb story is certainly um, is certainly one of them. Uh, in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev, uh, Volodymyr uh, Bondarenko had 10 people book into his room in a single day. This was surprising. It was very supportive at the moment. 36-year-old uh, Bondarenko told CNN on Friday, I told many of my relatives and friends that I plan to use the money to help our people. So the money's going into Airbnb owners in Kiev, and they, again, using that cash directly on the ground to support people. Airbnb has said it's offering temporary housing in neighbouring countries to up to 100,000 Ukrainians who are fleeing. It's also waiving all of their fees in the country to support individuals donated. So Airbnb have supported this. Um, the guy, uh, the head of Airbnb, was on his Twitter account saying, look, we're going to do everything we can to support the community. We are so humbled by the inspiring generosity of our community during this moment, moment of crisis, said Haven Thorne, a company spokesman. He asked those willing to help by hosting Ukrainians or donating to their efforts to visit Airbnb's website to find additional ways uh, to support or information. One way anyone can help is by opening their home to Ukrainian refugee, refugees as an Airbnb host, for which the company will cover you with air cover, a $1 million hosting insurance policy. Airbnb also partnered with non-profits and charities to help contribute to the guest space needs. The hospitality, hospitality service isn't the only community-based service that is helping out. Etsy has decided to cancel their current balances owed to Etsy by all sellers in Ukraine, uh, which is effectively about four million pounds. So they've written off four million pounds to, to to support people, um, and I absolutely love that. Um, what we what we'd love to do on the Kindness Project is share what you're doing to support people in Ukraine. So if you've got a particularly novel idea that you're um, using to support people please do let us know. Um, we'd love to um, share up the podcast um, and uh, all of our love and hope goes out to all of the people in Ukraine at the minute. Um, so that, that was story two. Mm -hmm. We're going to start the interview in a minute. Mm. What was you grateful for, Charlotte? <laughs> oh, this, is, this, is, this is torture. Yeah, go on. Oh. Um, what else am I grateful for? So the first one, listeners, just just in case you don't remember, was uh, you guys' family, I guess. This one is... Um, my friends. Friends? Yeah. Um, when I first set up my laptop, um, it was my college timetable as my wallpaper... And now um, I had a games night a little while ago, and it's just a picture of all of us from games night. Love it. And, yeah. Family and friends. Do you notice how much more passionate about friendship is? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Russ. Like, family, I, I guess, definitely friends. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely friends. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I want to uh, introduce uh, the interview this week. We've got the amazing uh, Mr. George Kinder uh, on the podcast. Um, I love doing this interview. We did it earlier uh, this week, actually. Um, George is a 
really insightful guy, a guy who um, is a uh, financial advisor, uh, used to be a financial advisor, but really founded life planning in, in a really, really fundamental way. And life planning is about effectively aligning what you want to achieve with your life, uh, with, with your other goals, including financial. Um, but it's more than that. It talks about what we can potentially do um, as communities, as a civilization, just to live um, happier, better, uh, more inspiring lives, really. And he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's quite an inspiring guy, Rush. You quite enjoyed the interview, didn't you? I did, very much so. Good stuff. So let's listen to part one of that. George, thank you so much for joining us on The Kindness Project. We really appreciate it. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great to be here. I envy you your time in London because that's where we, we long to be. And uh, as a family, we're coming over in a few months. Can't Amazing. Wait. Amazing. What is it about London you love? Well, I, um, I love the culture, but my family, uh, my wife is an actress and she's founded a theater company in the Boston area and, and has used acting skills to train people as a consultant all over the world. Um, so, uh, so we're, and, and my two kids are both thespians and so we're into theater, but we're also into music. We love the culture of London. We love the yeah. history. There's always, I mean, I, I think tired of London, tired of life is so true you know there's Absolutely. always stuff happening yeah. on there. and you yeah. know you know what's funny i um and we, we've done this a couple of times haven't we one of my favorite things to do in london is um going to the globe theater by the zales bank yeah. Yeah. and i never ever buy the posh seats right i, I, I always want to stand where the action is and where the actors are coming in yeah. and out it's oh, amazing, yeah. it's amazing yeah. isn't it? Right. um we went i think we were watching Macbeth, I think it yeah, was, true. and um, so we were starting to make uh, make our way out during the performance. I can't remember why we were leaving, um, but one of the actors who was playing Macbeth had come out to come round on the outside. Oh yeah, and I think Mum got shouted at, <laughs> at one yeah. point. Yeah, we, just, we got in the way of the actors, which is oh, a no. place where where you want That's to play. So cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's really, it's really, it's really yeah. good fun. So we we started, we we st finished the intro to the conversation with you telling us about how you met your wife, sort of via Edin the Edinburgh Fringe. Tell me a bit about that. Well, it was really, I mean, we didn't actually meet at the Fringe, but we uh, um, we kind of discovered our, each other through the Fringe. I, I uh, used to go to the Fringe whenever I could, whenever I could find a place in Edinburgh to stay. And uh, so I was going to the Fringe this one year and I saw just an incredible play um, based on a Melville short story uh, from the 19th century. And it was a, in a small theater up there, you know, it was definitely Fringe. Yeah. And it was the best thing that I saw there. And it turns out that uh, in the audience, possibly on the same day, was my wife. From right. We were both from Boston. She was up there. She was visiting that. I mean, I just looked at it because I love great theater. Yeah. She was looking at it because her ex-husband, who she's friends with and everything, is a theater director and a playwright. And he had written the play. And right. we both felt it was the best thing we saw at Edinburgh. So and among other things, there were many other things. But you know, uh, you know what's interesting yeah. about the fringe for me? I love the fact that you can go up there 
you know, and yes, you might book some a comedian that you really want to see or yeah, right. a, a show you a show you really want to come and see. The one that always gets me is that show you didn't expect to be good. You know, it's that <laughs> element where you go, you know, I turn up at the fridge box office and go, should we try that? Should we try that? Should we try that? And they're the ones that tend to tend to be amazing. But yeah, no, the the the, the fringe the fringe is uh, an incredible place to be. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's it, it's good fun. And as you say, London is a great place. So for the uh for our listeners who don't know about you, tell uh, tell us a little bit about you. Well that's a that's a huge question and uh, uh, kind of hard to do but the uh, I mean what where where I'm known best I think what I'm known for I, I'm an, the author of six books three of them are on money and but mo- mostly on our relationship to money so it's the human side of money that I'm known for I've trained advisors from 30 countries thousands of advisors from 30 countries in in-depth training on how to listen better to their clients and how to find what really would inspire their clients to live the best life uh, they're meant to live. So it's really about freedom. It's about listening. But I also wrote, um, I've written a book on uh, of poetry and photography, and I'm now producing five more books on poetry and photography. I've written okay. a book on civilization, as you know, and I've written a book um, on mindfulness. So I, uh, on mindfulness practice, I've been a mindfulness practitioner for 50 years and taught mindfulness for 35 years. So I've, I'm really all over the place in terms of what I do, but I, I, but I live a, a passionate life uh, in nature, on a pond in, uh, in Littleton, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> and, and, and when you're thinking about a subject for a new book, what is it that inspires you to to pick to pick a subject? Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that has inspired me most is uh, is freedom. Yeah, and and I and it's how I understand freedom. In, in any case, some people use it in, in different ways, but I think that we that Homo sapiens, human beings, we're, we were not born to be enslaved by autocratic systems or anything like that. We were born to live freely. And so the question is, how can we maximize that freedom? And my experience is that the more freedom there is around me, the more other people are feeling free, the more joy and delight and kindness and generosity <laughs> and wonderful things, innovations are happening. So my passion has been how can I deliver that in a variety of ways? And some of it is in environmental, because my latest series of books are are kind of related to the environment. Some of it's civilization-wide. And the area that I'm most known for is in the financial advice area, because financial advisors are trying to do that, but they're trying to do it with money. And I just want them to be much better. More open-minded, right? More open-minded and to be really there for the client, totally to serve the client. So that's... That's no, it. Just out of interest, what book are you most proud of? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, uh, probably this may surprise you, but my latest one. I, I mean, I think if I think of the legacy that I have, yeah. I, I think that most people think that my legacy is being in what's called life planning, which is the financial planning area. But I think of my legacy when I arrived here. You can see the this is our driveway, right? Okay, so that's going into our place, and it's under voltage. I'm assuming it's a it's a, a picture of your driveway, it is you're a not picture. just sitting in your drive. Yeah. It is a picture. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, 
So I, when I arrived here, I arrived here 30 years ago and I took one look at the place and I thought, this is paradise. I want, I want to capture this. I want to live every moment in the weather of this place, in the experience of nature in this place. And I want to capture it every day with a poem and every day with a photograph. And so I've done that for 30 years and now I'm putting them together uh, so that every day of the year is like a, it's like a book of hours, a book of Amazing. Sayings. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So you've got a poem for every day and a photo for every day of the year? Every day. Yep, every day of the year. Love it. Multiple, multiple of each of those, usually two or three. Love each. it. And is that is that the next is that, as you said, that's the next five books that are going to be published that's over the next few years. The first one's out and, and you can subscribe to it for free. You can get it in your email on a weekly basis. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and the other four are within a year of being complete. And the other four are spring, summer, winter, and fall. The first one Love is Love it. Is a yeah. weekly edition, the next are daily editions. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's really good. You know what's interesting? I know we well, I said that we'd probably go off topic when I emailed you about <laughs> this because we're normally doing these things. <laughs> I'm reading a really good book at the minute called The Daily Stoic, right? So oh, it's yeah, sure. full of full of stoic uh, philosophy. But the idea of the book is you only read a page a day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a natural, actually. It's not a natural way of consuming a book. Yeah. And it takes a bit of mindfulness and discipline to say, I'm going to stop after a page. But right. having that daily practice of just sitting and reading the page is really interesting. I do it in the morning. It's, uh, Absolutely. it's, it's a really useful, really useful uh, thing to do. It. Yeah, it's I really good. It. Talk, talk to me about because I know that you know the sort of the work side is the Kinder Institute and you do a lot of that. I know you do a lot sort of more broadly, but tell me about the work you do at the Kinder Institute. Yeah, the um, we've we've trained I think four thousand advisors in thirty countries, and uh, but the strongest our strongest base is in the U.S. and then in the U.K. and then in the Netherlands, and uh, but we've got people all over the world and what we what we and, and they're in-depth trainings two-day trainings five-day trainings and then a six-month mentorship and those trainings are training people uh in how to listen for uh how to listen to their clients so that there's a more uh, more connection there's more yes. possibility of something profound uh, so that the clients feel that they've got a great friend who's also really accomplished in the financial yeah. world but who's really there for them and whose priority is not getting paid money for their stocks and bonds their guilt yeah. whatever you, you call it in it's the UK. adding genuine value to, to their lives but, but they're exactly they're they're there this is a person that they would in a crisis they'd call because they know they would be listened to and uh, care and cared for, empathized with in, in a moment, or the the uh, the longings, the inspirations would be caught by the advisor and say, you know, that sounds like what you really want to do. And yeah. we we, listen, we train them to listen in ways that nobody has ever listened to clients before in the financial world. So it's a so it's a wonderful. It's been wonderful, and that's and then we give them the designation. It's a life planning designation. So. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I know I know a couple of people who've done the sort of both yeah. two day and five day course. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. I know 
I know Tina Weeks is a oh, massive of advocate of, <laughs> of yours, but a friend of mine, Sam Wybrow. Um, oh, Sam, yeah. Sam, actually, Sam was interesting because he's he mentioned the profound effect it had on his life yeah. before he started using it with clients. Do you find that happens quite a lot with the advisors that go through the process? Yeah, what happens, the way we train, you know, most people think of trainings as very intellectual and academic. We don't train that way. We train experientially. Yeah. So, so we give them the experience of, uh, of listening to their clients. But the only way you can do that is by having someone else. Somebody listen, listen to them. them. Exactly. Yeah. So they get life planned while they're practicing life planning someone else. So everybody, when they come out of that five day course in particular, and now it's four day on Zoom, but in, out of that five day course, the evoke course, they are on fire to live the, the best life they can live. And they hadn't been thinking of that before. Yeah. And uh, they've been thinking, oh, it's two years away or five years away or when I retire. And now they're going, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to live that yeah. way now. Yeah, yeah. And, but at the same time, they've been trained how to really listen to their clients. So it's inside out, the training. And it's yeah, a yeah. wonderful experience. It's inspiring. It's interesting. There's a, there's a, a friend of mine, a guy called Patrick Luong, who, funny enough, used to work with uh, Ruth Sturkey. Um, so so uh, many moons ago uh, now, but he he went through a bit of a life planning process, and part of his life plan is he didn't want to be a financial planner anymore. Um, and the re the reason we knew him is because he we knew him through the financial planning community, but then he joined the charity sector, and he's been a massive advocate of the the work we do here with the Kindness Project. And the, the funny thing was, I hadn't, during lockdown, we'd sort of sent a couple of emails and, and stood in touch, but I hadn't seen him for ages. And um, I did the, uh, I ran the London Marathon last year, George, in October. So, yeah, yeah. So, thank you. So um, so I, I actually, uh, the first time I saw Patrick face to face in about two and a half years was at Canary Wolf. When I'd done 19 miles running the marathon, and I, I was so emotional, and I don't know when I should have done this on the back end of COVID. I gave him a big hug as I ran past, um, and he must have enjoyed it because he was waiting for a, a hug at 21 miles as well. So, so I got two hugs from Patrick. But do you find I mean, I, there was a question uh, somewhere there? Do you find that actually that life planning process can facilitate somebody potentially turning around and saying i've got my ladder up the wrong wall absolutely absolutely and i mean the uh one of the uh, uh companies we worked with was in the netherlands and it was a ing a big you know big insurance company yeah. and the um the guy who ran it at the time uh was a, a little kind of Gosh, he, he seemed very professorial and uh, more, more like a, a teacher in some way. And a lovely guy, a warm guy, great sense of humor. And I gave this five-day training and one of the guys, and you, we don't let more than 12 or 14 people into it. So it's a very small training. He comes, the CEO comes on the last day and he hears that this one guy has decided he wants to play the guitar instead and is going to leave the firm. And so he corners me, the CEO does. And he says, George, I hear uh, Jared over there 
is going to be leaving the firm to play guitar. And then he burst out laughing and he said, <laughs> he said, I want my people to be happy. And if yes, that's what exactly. makes happy, I am so thrilled. And uh, he just believed in his community. And yes. so we built quite a quite a culture out of that. So yes, there is this um, enormous, uh, life learning's infectious because you're so excited about your life that you kind of spread that joy and that enthusiasm around. And I, I think life and business should be about people. You know, it's people first, isn't it? That's the important Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So, so one, one of the things that I was really fascinated to ask you, and, uh, and it, it's about one ebook, The Seven Stages of Money Maturity, particularly pertinent for what we're talking about today in terms of kindness. Tell me a little bit about how Aloha, using money for kindness, works in your world and from your perspective. Well, it's actually it's actually different um, from what you might think. Uh, okay. um, the uh, the book Seven Stages of Money Maturity is about going through a hero's journey, becoming more adult in a way, becoming stronger with our hearts, with our heads, with the energy of our body, uh, working through the dilemmas that uh, we face that make us act out in ways, react to be reactive and all that. So it's a, really a psychology of money and it leads to two states at the end. One of them is visionary. And that I think is very related to what you guys are talking about in the Kindness Project. It's about actually reaching out and doing amazing things in your community. It could be very small, it could be very large. Aloha is a little different from what you might think because aloha is the passing of a blessing from one person to another regardless of economic difference. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you're taken by surprise. Someone, maybe it was someone just sleeping on the street in London does something to you that touches your heart where you're blown away that, they, that there's so much kindness from them to you. You don't know them, you're totally different walks of life, all that kind of thing. And you go, wow, that's amazing. And it yeah. changes your life. So it's those... Um, uh, uh, random acts of kindness, they're called sometimes, right? And, and you see that a lot. Um, so it's it's more that than it is necessarily using your money. Financial, yeah. But it could be one of the sweetest ones that I, I tell the story of this person who, uh, you know how in, uh, you can, you, I don't know if this even exists anymore, but you'd get newspapers, you'd put some coins in a newspaper thing and you get pull a newspaper out. And uh, so um, uh, there was a person who... It's that unexpected thing, isn't it? You exactly. Know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This person saw a little... little uh, you know, 10 year old girl always search and see if there were any coins left in there. And he and he lived and he worked across the street and in a convenience store. And every when she was coming home from school every day before she came home, he'd go over and he put a little coin in that machine for her. And Love she she didn't discover that until 20 years later. She didn't know who it was. She didn't have no, she thought she was getting it because the machine didn't work. But it turns out that he <laughs> that he'd been doing it all these you know for for the for her Amazing. child and yeah. so uh, yeah yeah so anyway it's these little these little acts of kindness you don't even necessarily know about them but um, yeah it's just I mean we 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 I mean we did the the the, the person who brings to mind about that is a lady called Bernadette Russell yes. who's uh, yes. who's a who's a fellow Londoner she lives in 
she lives south of the river though doesn't she so uh so a little bit different down there um uh, but but we we loved her story because she um post the london riots decided to perform one random act of kindness a day for a year oh, cool. her book about how she did it was incredible i'd i'd, I'd, um, I'd definitely recommend yeah. it certainly recommend it so give me an example of how, how we can practically do more things that sort of uh, align to a lower well, I, I think the, um, the I, I actually think that it comes naturally. Uh, the more that we've developed our strengths, our maturity as a human being. So I think that um, uh, uh, being intelligent, if we're talking about money, being intelligent around money and not acting out in a foolish yeah. way. Is helpful, actually. Yeah. I think that yeah. developing your ability to listen to other people will uh, is also so that's developing the heart. Um, being able to listen and empathize with other people means that you'll be able to see more quickly and easily. Ah, that's that's what I need to do. Or wouldn't that be wonderful yeah. to do? And then the third thing. These are all in the seven stages. The third a stage of maturity is vigor. Is um, just finding more vitality in your life and the way the best way to do that is to live your life plan to live who you're meant to be yeah and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. what may sound like it's doing all this stuff for yourself but all those things are developing you so that you're more there when a, a possible random act of kindness opportunity to do yeah. and, and that and that that element of authenticity is yeah. so important isn't it so because I, I i agree with you you know if you're not living your life in the way you want to do it does you know and to a certain extent pretending to be something you're not then that has an impact on your life doesn't it in terms yeah. of the energy you bring to it yeah it's terrible yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. that was the first part of the interview with george uh there will be more certainly next week with george uh please tune in because uh there will be a lot more insight as we're doing this week some bizarre reason we are talking about um uh what charlotte's grateful for so what else are you grateful for uh what else am i grateful for um <laughs> stories 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 what now help us understand what you mean by that why stories like you know books newspaper articles like okay sometimes they're negative but they also have this sense of like in fiction you get this sense of otherworldliness and like i just you're them, grateful that stories exist yeah okay yeah. i quite like that russ mm -hmm. stories yeah very good. And on that note, it's your turn to... Tis the end of another podcast, but the end is never true. The end is always something... The end of the, 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 end, is, the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. Um, Which and is? And I need a new tongue, apparently. Um, and so it's last week's question of the podcast. This week, answered by you guys. You guys. Definitely you guys, I guess. 
Um, and last week's version of the podcast was amazingly popular. Um, it was it was one of our probably one of our most popular ones, right? Yeah. Um, it was what is the greatest movie soundtrack ever? Um, and we had a bunch. So I'll let Charlotte start with Steve Dan. Oh, uh, Steve Dan said Saturday Night Fever and Grease, also the Full Monty. Good choices. Uh, Sam Chilton said Batman Forever soundtrack. Movie maybe have been dodgy, but soundtrack is amazing. Still listening to it now. I can't remember whether the Batman Forever soundtrack was the one with Prince or not. I have to have a look, but I think I think the original might have been Prince. But but yeah, I'll also shooting fish is genius. A lot of time for Curious George. Oh, I do like the Curious George. Well, I, that that's how this conversation started because I'm a great fan of the Curious George soundtrack. Hey, you've all said the Lost Boys. Simon Paul said Kevin and Perry go large. Uh, Mark Newman said there's no argument. It's simply Top Gun. Uh, John Cook said train spotting. Stacey Keane said gotta be rock of the ages for me. Christy Mike said Top Gun. Uh, Carolyn Thompson said Grease and Dirty Dancing. Hadrick Floyd said Get Carter, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, A Clockwork Orange, in that order. Tracy Keenan said Rocky. Dave Forsdyke said Top Gun, Rocky, Dirty Dancing, Good Morning Vietnam, Footloose, There's Too Many Good Soundtracks. But I'll tell you what's interesting. You can like the the light for soundtracks. You, it's like a bit of a definer of age, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You can sort of tell our what sort of age range somebody is in. Because if you like like me, you like eighties soundtrack. It's likely you're in your uh, you're you're in your forties. Um, uh, Karina Murray had a genius one, the Muppets Most Wanted. Oh. Now now that. Is a why did you go old? <laughs> right, tell us, tell us why you love the most. Um, it's, it's one song in particular, um, and I can't remember what the name of it is. Where it's um, the fake Kermit and what's the Ricky name? Gervais. Ricky Gervais. I'm number one. You're number two. We're criminals at large, but I'm much larger than you. Uh, you know what I love? Um, <laughs> the Marpet's Most Wanted soundtrack is written by uh, possibly one of the best comedy, maybe not the best, but one of the best comedy songwriters uh, of the last 30 years. Um, uh, the guy out of Flight of the Concords. Um, it is absolutely genius. If you like a laugh and you want to give a little bit of little bit to charity just google feel inside by flight yes. of the concords because that is uh, an amazing uh charity oh. single probably one of my favorite charity singles nicola taylor said the top gun soundtrack glenn may said the wall or city of angels mike christie said moana in canto who doesn't know about bruno oh, I didn't we all know about bruno options. but we don't talk about bruno Sharon Hirsch said Dirty Dancing. Chris Haycock said Solaris and Mary Bobbins. Deborah Myers says Shrek 2. McVicker. The long, I can't read it, it's too far the away long, from my face. The long Good Friday. And Quadrophenia. Uh, Toby Acton said The Lost Boys. Louise McNamee said The Lost Boys. Johnny Piper said the original Disney Jungle Book. That's a good shout. Lo- loads, loads of the original Disney Jungle Book. Loads of uh, great songs on that. 
Matthew Strybig said Amadeus. Steve Chilton said split between Guardians of the Galaxy or Train Spotting. Both epic collections of tracks. Tara Appleton said Lion King for me. I had the tape when I was young and knew every song word for word. Gemma Playford said Mary Poppins. Tara Higgins said Train Spotting. Alice Joy said About a Boy. Marco Halloran said I like. Bodyguard. I don't know if he just likes the bodyguard mm. or he likes the soundtrack to the bodyguard. Uh, Francis Barrett said the boat that rocks. Chris Bud said the Magnificent Seven. I regularly put it on when I'm writing. Steve Buttercase said, if you mean the best collection of, uh, of music soundtrack as opposed to original soundtrack, then Baby Driver. Now, can I just say, I've been listening to this in the car this week, and Baby Driver has an epic soundtrack. Uh, for original score, whilst I adore Elmer Bernstein's score for The uh, Magnificent Seven, I'd go with uh, Morricone's beautiful work for Once Upon a Time in America. Darren Cook agreed, Morricone full stop, anything is done. Charlie Goodman, who loves on the podcast to give us a bit of a curveball uh said transformers the movie from 1986 it's got the stan bush and weird al yankovic and that heavy metal version of the soundtrack by lion uh i will die like optimus prime on this hill matt warren said top gun rocky Where Four, are you reading this? lost boys train spotting and cars oh um Ian Else said, I used to think Top Gun, but I think Baby Driver is better now. Nathan Jones said, I'm not saying this is the best, but I always find myself singing along to the Shrek soundtrack. There is some some absolute bangers on there. Well, I'm a believer. Right, Nathan Jones said, Goodfellas, as a notable uh, mention, but purely from my 90s youth, the Above the Rim soundtrack. I've never heard of that before. Mm. Caroline Stewart said, Guardians of the Galaxy, Reservoir Dogs, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But I think Moana, Moana is the best soundtrack ever made. You're welcome. Coco has not been mentioned once. And if we're talking about like that, that one song at the end of Coco, oh, breaks your heart every time. Breaks your heart every time. Claire said, off the top of my head, out of sight, Baby Driver, Pulp Fiction, and uh, About a Boy. Neil Bage said, had so many, but we'll opt for Lord of the Rings. Anytime. Anything by Hans Zimmer. Thomas Newman. Rachel Portman or... I'll leave that one to you. Elan Eshekri works for me. By the way, the soundtracks written for games are as good as movies. Yes. Uh, oh, my the, God. The official soundtracks for Halo and Assassin's Creed are incredible. I sometimes will listen to the Ace Attorney soundtrack when I'm... Um... Yeah. I mean, I mean, gaming soundtracks now are getting as good, if not better, than the movie soundtracks. Um, and I, I think that's been the case for a number of years. My own personal favourite, currently the God of War soundtrack is brilliant, um, but also Persona 5. Persona 5? Take a look at the Persona 5 soundtrack. Ace Attorney, any Ace Attorney. The old ones are, like, very, like, you know, how you'd expect 8-bit music to be. And then also... Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch has a brilliant soundtrack. There's your game soundtracks as well, Dan. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is Chris Budd's favourite gaming soundtrack. Victor Sack says Pulp Fiction. Dave Brooks said Flash Golden Moon, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Fistful of Dollars, and Blade Runner. But Blade Runner remains my go, uh, go-to, and I love June as an album. You know what nobody's mentioned? I don't know if this counts as a movie album or not. It probably doesn't. Um, 
uh, War of the Worlds. There's an album that came out, and I can't remember the guy's name, but it's a effectively it was the musical with the audio book of War of the Worlds all connected. And I don't think they made it into a movie, but it's like a it's like a rock opera style thing. It's amazing. Um, Tony Slimming said Lars and Mohegans. Harry Webster said Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, brilliant Motown com- combination. Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Gross Point Blank. Eve Keith agreed. Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, Truth About Money said Highlander. Um, uh, Keith LMFS said Dirty Dancing. Uh, Tamsin said The Great Showman, The Jungle Book, Los Boys. Dirty Dancing and Peter's Friends. John Gwinnett said Some Kind of Wonderful. John Glover said Gladiator or maybe Deer Hunter. Uh, and then I've lost my show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian said Django or Sing 2. Paul Stock said Lost Boys, closely followed by Train Spotting. Martha Lawton said Ten Things I Hate About You. And then Catherine Knowles said Dirty Dancing. So that was, um, yeah. That was engaging, wasn't it? The old movie soundtrack one. We like that one. And on that note, friends, that is the end of another podcast. I've been Grizz Dames. I've been Charlotte Dames for about 18 years. (laughs) And we'll see you next time on the Kindness Project. And I'm also Sophie. Bye. 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 Bye.